Welcome to the Breakthrough Zone, where lives are transformed one breakthrough at a time. Now, here's your host, internationally recognized coach and author, John Page Burton. Hey, good morning, everybody. We're in the breakthrough zone on another beautiful Wednesday morning. And today in studio, I have a great guest. He's a gentleman I met about six months ago. And uh, he started out his career as a high school music teacher and then spent really the last 18, almost 20 years in executive church leadership. And somewhere along the way, around the first of the year, he decided it was time to make a pivot and he decided he was going to go in a different direction and uh he started a company called the Y Leader and he where he has an opportunity to work with different leaders at different capacities to really you know connect with their why and I'm gonna let him you know kind of fill us in on that but uh there's a, a rumor going around that he may be uh maybe really really close to his dream job something that he had thought about for many, many years, you know, it's something that he said, if I could do this, I would do this. And then all of a sudden he got really clear one day and, and, uh, he's on the verge of that, but I'll let him tell a story. Welcome to the studio, Andy Thomas. Glad to have you with us. Hey, it's, it's great to, uh, great to be with you, uh, John. So you want me to just jump in and, and kind of share? Yeah, please story? do. Yeah. I'd love yeah, to. Yeah. You know, um, it, it was about a year and a half ago, I would say, that um, that I just started to kind of sense deep within, kind of where it starts for me. I'm a feeler, you know, kind of had that sense that that um, a change was coming. I'm not, not really sure what that would be. And yeah, like you said, about six months ago, it became even more clear. Um, and and that's, that was a bit scary just because, yeah, I'd been in that, in that world, um, church leadership, um, for 17 years. And, wow. And, um, and so kind of stepping into the great, uh, unknown, um, stepping and, out in faith. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Stepping out in faith. Yeah. And, and, you know, that faith for me really is, you know, you don't have a lot of answers with faith. It's a lot of danger. Um, but it really is trust, you know, trust that, that, um, the next thing is coming and the right thing to do is just to take that step. You know, you don't have the answers, um, and, and that can feel pretty unconventional, which it did for me, like, hey, you know, talking with my wife, hey, we're going to step into this unknown here. I don't have that next job yet, but I know that this is the time. Um, yeah. And, and so, so yeah, like you said, um, I think that's about when we connected. You know, I was just leaving that position at the church and, and um, you know, saw a bunch of your, your social media stuff and really resonated with, with um your encouragement and, and a lot uh, of the ways that you were um, specifically speaking to people that were at that place of like a career change or whether it was something professionally or even personally that, that they're at that, that kind of fork in the road, which I was. And I think that's where I, you know, hit like to one of your, you yeah, know, social yeah. media comments just said, man, I feel that. I don't remember exactly what your right, post was. I do, you yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so you know, as we as as we talked, John, I think the thing you were you really have been instrumental in the last you know three or four months, especially for me as I've been um, going through lots of um, leadership searches and and interviewing and and filling out applications and also kind of 
finding out that, yeah, you know what, my, at the, the depths of my heart, I really love to coach people, especially leaders, and especially leaders that have gotten to the place of just they're doing the job, but they've lost their why. They've lost their yeah, own purpose yeah. and that, that, you know, maybe they could keep doing that job over and over and over um, for, for, you know, five years, but really they're becoming more and more disillusioned. So, you know, at, at your kind of encouragement, I, I have started the Y Leader and have, have started coaching leaders that are kind of at that place. I love doing that. Um, and yeah, and all the while, here comes this beautiful opportunity. Because what, what I've known is that I, I'm, I'm really trying to find that, that next full-time job while I can start up this coaching business with the, with the goal that like as I move towards retirement, I know that's still about 20 years off for me, but that I can really build that up, you know, because, because that really is fulfilling for me to be able to see new upcoming leaders that, that kind of struggle to help them kind of dig back into their own personal, you know, why, because that's where that fulfillment comes from is, is really aligning with what's in your heart and taking the steps along that and not just kind of taking a job or not just saying yes all the time, but really, really fighting for what's in your heart and, and kind of finding the, the vocation that lines up with that. Yeah. So, you know, it's really interesting because I want to go back and, and talk about, so you're, you're standing up there on, on Sundays, you have a very, very large congregation, one of the largest in Southern Arizona, I imagine, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you're standing up there and people are looking to you for leadership and you know, that it, I'm going to go into the ego because even in the world of, of church, we have, we have the ego. So you're standing up there and, and you've served so many and people are, you know, excited to see you and, and I'm sure you're excited to see them, but what was it? What was it that just started gnawing at you that you said, you know what? I just, man, this just isn't working for me anymore. I'm just not feeling it. Um, and how did you give yourself permission to make a change? That's a big deal. I mean, you're probably making pretty good money and, yeah. and everything. And so what yeah. happened? Yeah, you know, I think I think the thing for me, there wasn't like a specific moment. There wasn't some horrific thing that happened. It really was, you know, kind of the promptings within my heart, within my spirit, starting back a year and a half ago. That you know, what I've said for a long time is that you know, when it when it comes to making a decision like that, it's typically three things. It's either you're a part of an organization where they're starting to do some things either more morally or ethically that you're not aligned with and you go I got to break from this or that the mission shifts in an organization you go you know what I, I just I, I was kind of on board for this different mission for all those years and now that it's shifting that's not that's not where I'm not jiving with that anymore and the, the third thing is, is really that the organization is really staying the same and the position that you had is staying the same, but, but you have evolved, you know, as a person. And you you've have, grown out you've, of the position. Yeah, you've grown out of the position to see yourself doing the same thing over and over. Could you do it? Yeah. And I think the thing for me was that I got to the place where, um, again, I'm a feeler. I'm very much driven by my emotion. And I know personally that to do my job well I need to be inspired and motivated and really, um, you know, be excited about the thing that I'm doing. I don't do well just cranking it out day after day after day if I'm not feeling it, you know. Yeah, and that's yeah. really that's really just what it came down to. You know, I had a lot of the same job that I've been doing for a long time, um, and it just got to the place where the organization hadn't changed. There wasn't anything crazy that was happening there. 
but I knew I had to stay true to myself and that I was shifting. You know, it was like yeah, the tectonic yeah. plates were shifting and what was shifting was me. Right. You know, and I had to stay true to that. That was kind of the scary part. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, obviously you establish your your livelihood, you know, and home and, and you got your family and you've got all those responsibilities financially. And so that, yeah, that big step is like, okay, I don't, I don't really know what's next, but I, I, it just came to the place. I'll just say it as clear as this, that I just knew, and, and I probably would have stretched it out a few, a few months longer, but um, I couldn't, you know, it literally came to a moment one day where I just said, I'm done. And, uh-huh. and, and then worked with the organization to kind of find the right. So I didn't leave them hanging, you know, right, right. work with the church to because to, it's still my church, you know, still it's right. been there. Um, so we found the right the right timing on that. But it was probably quicker than I thought. But but you can't deny that that prompting within. You just can't. You know, no. some, some people probably could. But for me, I'm driven by that, you know, and if yeah, I if I don't yeah. feel it man, I'm just, I can't phone it in, you know? Right. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. You, you, you t- recently took a, a course I teach called pivot from your heart. And yeah. we talk, we're in that, we're in one of the, the modules. We start talking about the three types of decisions people make. They make them either from their gut, their heart or their head and gut decisions are easy, right? Because we've done them before. We've, it's just kind of second nature. Okay. I know to do this. Then we get to the heart decision. I think that's where you were. You were in that heart space where you were going, man, I am being pulled to do something different. I don't know what it is, but I'm being pulled to do that. But then I would imagine the head gets in the way. See, the head will immediately, the gut's telling you to do it, the heart's going pulling you, but the head's like, well, you know, Andy, I mean, it's a pretty good deal here. And, you know, it's paying the bills. And your situation it was different than a lot of my career reinvention clients because you still have kids. You still have a daughter in high school, right? You've got uh, one in college. Yeah, know? middle school and college. Yeah. Middle school and college, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of people will wait. They'll come to me about that time where they say, oh, it's been sucking the life out of me for the last decade, but I had to get the kids through school, and they eventually do. And then as soon as that last one graduates, all of a sudden they'll pivot, and they'll go, now it's time. Mm-hmm. You took this chance. You stepped out. You know, with no safety net, right? And right. three kids in school, middle school, high school, and college. Just middle school and college. The okay. Two, the two, yep. Okay, uh-huh. middle school and college. Yep. And so what was that like? I mean, what was that process for you? Because you had to be weighing these, but yet that's, I guess what I'm getting at is you're weighing this and you're going, okay, everything in your head saying, but you have kids, you have a wife, you have bills to pay, you have all this. But in this case, that heart just over overrode. Mm. Is that overrode? Is that a word? I think, I think so. Yeah, it's overridden. Overridden. There <laughs> we go. There we go. It's early, right? Overridden. Um, it, you know your uh, your head. You truly followed your heart, and that paid big dividends. So, what was that like? What was that process? Were you? Yeah. You, s- scary. I mean, probably to some degree. Or yeah, I mean, it's a it's kind of a mixture of scary and exciting. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and. and and like you said, you know, the, the, the responsibilities with, with the family and where, where my wife and I, Janelle, were at the time, you know, I think the types of conversations that we had for, for six months, and, and actually when I talked about a year and a half ago when I had that, that was a, I was back home in, in Napa, mm-hmm. you know, for summer break and something happened and it was like I went on a walk with Janelle through the vineyards, through the hills of Napa and just was like, had this epiphany moment where I was like, I think things are shifting, you know. So 
the 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 biggest thing there, John, was that you know for for me in that alignment with with my spouse and how we come to those decisions together. You know, I I would never jump into one of those decisions without kind of her being fully bought in as well. And that that took a little bit of wrestling through the two of us together. But but you know, when I started to hear her actually saying the things like it might be time, you know, and she's she's wow. she's an even bigger warrior than I am, you know. Um, and where she, you know, and that that's I I really can kind of take a risk like that and go like, all right, well. You know, I've never had a moment where I've taken a risk like this and and didn't have that next thing where God, you know, came out and, and here it is, you know, um, and, and I can be adventurous, honestly, right. myself, you sure. know, but but I also felt that thing of like my daughter's in college and we've never had that expense before. And and so the types of conversations we had were like, I know that there's a next big thing for me, but I might have to do something in between that isn't the big thing that's going to help me get to that thing that that really is that purposed alignment for me. So we might actually have to take some kind of financial cut. We might actually have to, you know, do something drastic like maybe sell this dream house that we have or maybe, you know, those are the types of conversations that we had because what was true was that my wife felt it, I felt it, it was like it was time for a change. So you were a team. I mean, and this yeah. this is a good point to jump in because I've always said that every successful person has a successful partner in their life. And I know for me, uh, Diana's that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, she really, we will sit down much like you and Janelle did mm-hmm. and, and weigh it, but we will weigh decisions and we'll talk through them and we'll do the pros and cons. And then we get the buy-in and you had the buy-in, mm-hmm. which is also a huge, uh, a huge piece of that as well. Yeah. And we, to the extent that we really did talk about um, all the details, you know, at, before I had, had um, kind of given my notice at the church, um, I had kind of said to her, you know, I think there might come a day here where I might be coming home at the end of the day and saying, well, I, I did it. And she said, okay. Yeah. You know, she, she, yeah. I didn't, I wasn't gonna, you know, spring that on her, you know, so we really did talk through those things. Um, now the way things are playing out, like you had said, um, it really is a beautiful thing that, that, you know, the part of the story, John, that, that for me, I'm a creative, you know, all the positions that I've had have been really within that creative realm. You know, I was a high school choir teacher. Um, then, uh, within church ministry, I really, you know, oversaw everything on the music and worship side, but that's not at a big church. That's video, that's graphics, that's technical production, that's, media that's podcast it's all this stuff you know yeah and, and it's really overseeing that and working with the team to to collaborate and envision and create big things and big events and and so um you know i i kind of believed that once i left ministry that my next thing wouldn't be creative because i believed you know the like you've said the lies that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. i believed that man the the creative positions that i've had i was you know those worked out and those were you know, the right thing, but it can't be that if I leave this, nobody's going to look at me having been a choir teacher and, and a creative within church ministry as like, you know, creative within a marketing ad agency or anything like that. Um, and so even though I started applying for things like that six months ago, creative jobs, I was like, I want to do, I want to be a, I'm a creative director. That's, right. that's who yeah. I am. You know, yeah. I can't get away from it. I, I got very little feedback 
you know, I got very yeah. few interviews when I started doing, you know, sending those out six months ago. And I just said, you know what, I got to leave the creative behind. And I started interviewing for all these things. And, and how, how did that feel to you? I mean, how did that feel? Obviously, uh, it was not it was not uh, your authentic self. That's true. That's uh, true. You know, and, that, and that's where, you know, you, you kind of that's the danger, I think, of of going it alone. You know, I think, John, even in in you know, working through, you know, doing the, the, you know, partnering with you and you helping me, coaching me to see that that is that deeper side with me. I might have even surprised you, you know, because yeah. my, my heart is to coach that why leader thing. That's a, that's a huge passion for me. And always kind of the underpinnings for me are like, it's creative. You know, there's, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm about creative endeavors. So I think I might have surprised you and I said, hey, yeah. I stopped interviewing for all these creative positions, and then guess what? I got a call. Right. And the call was from, you know, the University of Arizona, and there's a, a creative director position that um, that I didn't apply for. They said, hey, we're, we're thinking about creating something that, that really does fit your – because they knew me, just, you know, several people sure. from the church. And, and again, I'd forgotten. Six months ago, I'd left that behind. You know, and so when that came out, it was like you can't you can't really ignore the thing that that is true, the thing that well, you can't stop you can't stop passion, right? Right. That's that's, true. that's the thing. You can't stop passion. So even though you are telling yourself again, it, your heart's saying I'm a creative, your head's going, come on, Andy, let's be practical here. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. You, you you put out six feelers and they all came back negative. So there's your sign, and you're like, okay, so. I guess you're right, Head. I should probably just truck down a different yeah. path. But I don't feel right about it because I'm still a creative and I know I can help people and I have a passion to coach. And so I'm you and I began to work on the mm-hmm. Y Leader, putting the Y Leader company together. And through that process I would see your excitement because you would send me, Look, my logo and I go, That's fabulous. And look, mm-hmm. look, look. And you so you could see your passion, but I also realized on the other side of that was the head going. But, you know, you do have bills to pay, and we're kind of on a timeline here. Mm-hmm. But, see, the point to all this is you can't you can't stop the passion because even though your head is telling you, mm-hmm. uh, this is key for our listeners, your head is telling you that this isn't going to work, and your heart is telling you, be patient, it's going to work. And the heart won because out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you did not apply for this position you did not Mm-mm. really have the connection prior to them reaching out to you, and yet this is your ideal creative position in yeah. a major university. What a trip, right? right? And at that same time, John, this is the thing that you've talked about where, you know, when you kind of give yourself over to some, the timing, the way of how this worked out, I was doing the, 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 the class with you, Pivot from Your Heart, yes, and you the homework assignment that week was um, – one of the questions had to do with what are some of the things, some of the dreams that you had that you let go of. I can't yeah, remember exactly. Yeah, you know? that's right. And for me, it was like, man, all these creative endeavors, you know, that like, like that is my lifeblood, you know, creating right. things and creating things with other people. And so at that very same week, I got the call to, to get, sit down and have coffee with this, with this person from the U of A. Um, I was, I was a part of five different, CEO, five different nonprofits and one um, one city organization for either CEO or executive director positions in the second, third, or fourth week of each of those with offers coming in. 
And then this call comes in from the U of A, and it was like, ah, you know. Um, but that that's where you see the the universe, whatever you call it, God, right. the the thing that is true, the thing that you're called to, the thing you can't avoid it. You know, I think I think if you make yourself available to it, and you yeah. and you risk, you know, that thing in faith. Um, I've often said to people, and people are like, oh, I'm trying to understand the will of God. I'm trying to understand what's yeah, next. Yeah, yeah. What's next for me? I've said to them, you can't mess it up. Like, yeah. What do you mean? Well, the first thing he said to me was, I'm just trying to figure out the will of God. You know, I'm trying to figure out my purpose. Well, then you can't go wrong. Yeah. Well, but what if I do the wrong thing? You you're, can't. You're in the right endeavor. Yeah, I'm you're trying in the right to figure endeavor. out what yeah. you, right. Right. So, and it's funny how this works. It's synchronicity. So that I, I was reminded, like, so when Diane and I first got together years and years ago, so we're gonna buy, we're gonna buy this second home in the mountains and everything, and. So it was like we had to we had to we had to put down money and we had stuff, you know, over here, 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 and everywhere. And it was like I remember this true story. I remember we were like, uh, you know, thirty five hundred dollars short of this down payment, right? That we needed. And so we were going, okay, do we pull it from over here? Do we pull it from over here? What what do we do? Go out to the mailbox that day. There's a check in the mailbox. Made out to my wife from money she had left in a savings account at a company or, you know, it was 401k or whatever it was. She had switched companies, had somehow neglected this. Now, this was 15 years before they had found the money, tracked her down, and the check was within $100 wow. of exactly what we needed, right? Yep. And so... To do that, we purchased a place that I had visited years before and taken a picture of, put it on my refrigerator. When we first got together, she goes, what's that? And I said, that's a house I want to buy one day. It's in the mountains, and I like it. We went up, rode around with a realtor prior to the, you know, this whole thing with the $3,500 check. But we rode around with a realtor, and we, we just couldn't find it. And she goes, I got one more place to show you. Imagine my surprise when we pull into the driveway and I'm going, it's the house, right? Yeah. Exact same house. We put this thing together and then boom, all of a sudden we need $3,500 more to put the deal together, go to the mailbox, there's a check. Nobody will ever convince me that synchronicity, that things aren't moving all the time. People go, why is this happening to you? It's not happening to you. More than likely it's happening for you. And that was your case. You're going, okay, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. Boy, these are impressive titles that are coming my mm -hmm. way. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came Andy's dream job. Mm -hmm. Boom. Yeah, and, I, and that's I, synchronicity. It, it is, and I think the thing that that I mean, you know, I'm only 46. I've got a lot to learn, you know. Uh, but I think one of the things that I have seen this far, and in, in some significant life you know, transition moments that have happened is that, you, you know, I, I have learned that you can avoid that synchronicity by staying outside your purpose. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, like, because you can say like, man, it's just going to, it's going to come if, if you, you know, but that means it's going to come if you are actually kind of like staying true to who you are in your heart, to the thing that you know that, 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 that's what you're called to, right. you know, that's when that synchronicity starts to line up, but you can stay 
Yeah. You know, almost in a sense, what I've said, and this is why the why leader is a big deal for me, is that you see a lot of leaders that just kind of stay within that obligation and the thing that they were first excited about, you know, when they started a company or whatever 10 years ago, now they're just like, oh, I've lost it and all this crazy stuff and here's the pandemic and, and they're just kind of treading water right? and they're staying there and they might be avoiding that synchronicity. Maybe it's that they're supposed to stay in that position, but the, but they got to get back in that synchronicity by finding that that why, that purpose again, or else right. they'll just stay year after year after year more depressed and that affects your personal life and, you know. So I was going to kick out of the law of attraction, right? Because everybody talked about, you know, we all read the book, the secret, and then we all sat out there in the Lotus position going, okay, bring on that Mercedes. I can see it. It's in my driveway. It's in my driveway. Nobody ever talked about the law of action, right? So you have to set your sight mm -hmm. and that's great. You've set the law of attraction, but it has to be, you know, complemented by the law of action and you are taking action. You may not even have realized at the time, but over 18 years, you were taking action every week. And there were people that saw you. They saw the result of that action. So your overnight success story was probably, what, 25 years in the making oh, to yeah. get to you to where you finally said, this is where I can see myself being. Yeah, and even longer. It's like, you probably, know, my yeah. mom taking me to drawing classes and yeah, to, yeah. you know, putting in musical theater and this, you know, like – Every step there was formative for that kind of for creative that, yeah. person that, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of crazy because, like, years ago, I mean, years ago, I, I owned an advertising agency. and I used to do this all the time, radio, TV. I did TV commercials, wrote them, produced them, acted in them when I couldn't find anybody else, right? So I would do all this, and then I just kind of put it on the back burner because mm. I started doing other things. And then I started my coaching practice. And. Over the years, I've had people go, hey, you got to do a podcast. you got to do a radio show. you got to do something. I go, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, one day, it just came about. You know, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd been down here at the studio, LTD Media, a couple times, and I knew what they had, and I'd thought about it. And then one day, it was just, it was time, right? And, you know, so for me, and I could tell with you, this is kind of just a natural, a natural space for us because mm -hmm. we're both creatives. We're both you know, people that, that are that are comfortable here. Now, put me in front of the church crowd that you were you were talking to on Sundays. I can do it, but mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a complete introvert, so I, I prefer to just like mm -hmm. lay low. Can I do it? Absolutely. Sure. I mean, I've spoken on big stages over my You're life. You're a pro. You're a pro. Yeah. <laughs> when you need to be a pro, you right. can be a pro, right? Right. So go back. I, I want to go back to, to to childhood, right? So you grew up in Napa, which is obviously a beautiful, beautiful place. So. Yeah. What what was it? Uh, what was it like growing up in Napa and going back to some of your earliest memories? Sounds like your your mom. You mentioned your mom would take you here and there. But who were some of the early early influences in the life of uh, Andy Thomas? Oh man, you know it, it's um, so so life in Napa is um, it it is kind of the ideal that, that everybody thinks it's beautiful. Um, you know, but to, and to grow up there, everyone sees the tourist side of Napa, and it, and Napa is really changing a lot. It's it's really becoming a lot more. It's always been a tourist hub, but when you see downtown and what's happening with Napa, it really is like becoming, I mean, there's massive five-star hotels downtown Napa, and it used to be, there'd be a Mervyn's, and, you know, like little, yeah. you know, it was nothing. I grew up outside of Aspen, and I remember when Aspen was just this awesome little yeah. town, and then then they all came, right? Yeah, yeah, and commercialized. <laughs> and Anyways, so it was, it was ideal, you know, small town, two, two high schools, and, and um, 
high school rivalry, you know. So, yeah, yeah. so I think growing up in Napa um, was, um, yeah, it was I- idyllic, if you want to say. Um, and the artistic experiences were, I would say, above, um, were, were out of the ordinary, you know, that y- when you consider, th- so I was, I was in music big time, right? So I went to private school and was involved with, with music there and piano lessons. And, but like I said, my mom had me in pottery classes downtown that were, you know, I think they were like free, you could sign up for, and it was through the college. And so there are all these experiences that, that you know, as a part of, and then in Napa, you know, choir was the biggest thing for me. The two high schools in town were the two, were the top, and they're still phenomenal, were the two top high school choir programs in the state of California. Wow. You know, so, so, I mean, I think the artistic experiences that I had and that you, that I'd kind of become accustomed to, and I went to college again, the university was like top 10 for undergraduate, you know, music experience. So like I, I, kind of became accustomed to top notch not just within yeah yeah, not just within music but then that 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 connects to everything else like then i became like like you said you know i've produced and written produced a lot of video content and and um and graphics and driven the whole creative process now so so i think the the thing in napa was that yeah i i was able to have some pretty darn unique experiences i i realized that that not every person had those same experiences um and i didn't my mom would have known wouldn't have known back then or i wouldn't have either that all this stuff would have been the thing that kind of right molded me into this person that's like i, I eat drink sleep creative you know like i just and and experiences and environments and it's like i can't help but walk into a place and be like i would change this and i would change that and and you're the same way, probably right, watching TV, right. and you're like, "Who wrote that script? I mean, right. that's horrible." Or, or you know, all yeah. the things that you would tweak and change, the lighting and all those. Yeah, things, like so. On the way over here this morning, I have a shelf, and I have three things on the shelf, and I spent five minutes moving those three things because I need them to be lined up a certain way. I did too. Isn't that weird? Right. So this is this is what I do. This is my world. Right. I will, you know, I, I bought a pair of uh, drapes for my office. Yeah. They weren't the right drapes. It's got to feel right. But they fit perfectly in my wife's office. So I nice. just got my other ones yesterday. I'm like, ah, these are, these, are, these are the ones. Because my space, I have to have my space a certain way. Yeah. Our moms sound similar. Because my mom mm. was very creative. I mean, okay. she was she encouraged me to be creative. I She had me writing when I was young. She was the adventurous one. It's where my dad was work. And, mm. you know, he was just stern. I mean, he's a, he, was a, he was a principal, right? So mm. he was kind of a principal type personality at home as well and my mom was just like she would just push me into stuff just you know try this go do this you know let's go see what's in that cave and i'm going it could be a bear wow i'm sure it's a nice one let's go anyway right so (laughs) later in life that changed because my mom had some really uh tough mental health challenges and our relationship drifted but the reason i'm sitting here talking to you today and the reason i've written three books and the reason i coach and the reason i volunteer my time is because my mom's influence for sure was huge in my life because she just encouraged me. Tell me about your dad. So your dad. Yeah. And, and my dad, um, you know, very supportive, but it was like, my dad was definitely on that, the, the, um, adventure sports, you know, camping, coaching, you know, always, you know, um, more, more pragmatic, you know, my, my dad hadn't grown up my, you know, as they say, it was a typical child of the fifties where it was just, you know, it like, my right. dad, he, he didn't say anything. My dad's very supportive. He's great. But, like, 
what I even said when I left my position at the at this previous, I stood on stage at the church in front of thousands of people and said, you know, if my dad, you know, he always taught me don't leave a position until you have another one lined up. And sorry, dad, you know, this is so that's you know that's yeah. that's how yeah. how my dad is and and uh, but I always had that support and yeah. So I mean, there was there was a sternness there, you know, it, but he was in the same way that. My mom was kind of pushing those artistic side. Yeah, My dad yeah, yeah, was yeah. like, "Okay, we've got." I was always in an artistic endeavor, and I was always in a sport right. from like age three to eighteen. This it is was, crazy, you know, because we've never had this conversation. Uh-uh, no, and my dad was the same way. It was sports and fly fishing, and it was all this stuff. But I remember my dad would send me to like Roman Gabriel's football camp, or he'd send me to basketball camps yeah, in the summer so I could get thing. my get my skills together and. And so I had that. My dad was always super supportive throughout my life, but he was also that pragmatist. Like, mm-hmm. So I went to school, um, played football, college, early in my college career. And then, but I was also a theater major. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. right? But then it was those voices of, well, that's not really practical, and that's not really. So where the head, the heart's going, no, but you really love this. You could do it. I mean, you've won awards for it. Yeah, but it's not practical. So back then I went with a head. So there are to this day some probably regrets, but it doesn't mean it's over. If they, right. And this is the thing, and I think this ties back kind of to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. It's not over if there's a bigger plan. So if someday I'm supposed to be doing theater again, then God will make that happen. You know, he'll mm-hmm. line those. Just like if you were supposed to, you know, be a creative director got aligned those steps so that that could happen as well right so yeah and I, like i and i would say to people too you know flirt <laughs> test it you know like if you want to test that idea that like the the next thing like the next thing is coming you know even if it means flirting like that was what i did for the last four months flirting with kind of like the thing that i knew wasn't quite right test it if you're open to yeah. like you know god yeah. You know, the universe line up the next thing for me, and I'm open to whatever that next thing is. You know, again, you can't mess it up, but you have to be open to like. You have to be open. You have to. Yeah, you, you know? can't receive if you're not open to receiving. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people are really good givers. Like yeah. they give, they give, they give, but when it comes time to receiving, and I've been that way a part mm-hmm. of my life too. I'm really good at giving gifts. I'm really good at you know helping other people, but then I'm not. I've not always been really good at getting gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember my wife would say, all you have to do is to say thank you. Because people would come up and it would be subconscious. They'd go, oh, that was a great job. Well, you know, but I could have done a little bit better. You know, no, just thank you, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be open to receive or you can't get. You just can't mm-hmm. get it, right? Yeah, and what? And I'd love to ask you a question, too. Please you know, do. So, so going back to, to my dad, I would say the thing that there's one phrase that um, throughout my whole childhood, and it started with baseball, you know, throwing yeah, a baseball. Sure. He was really big on the form of throwing. He was a pitcher, yeah. pitcher when he was a kid. So you know? was my dad. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah. This is crazy. And so yeah. he, he always, you know, no, you don't just throw like this. You got to, you know, all the way back and you got to follow through. So follow through was the thing that applied to baseball. It applied to take making the decision to do you know he never let me quit quit anything you know yes um yes, yes. even when, and i you know kids we quit we quit just about anything if we could you we know could, yeah. um it was that thing of follow through you know so what was and that that's the thing even to this day you know like quitting that job was like oh, but i'm following through i'm gonna get that next thing so it was what was maybe 
a phrase or, or something that your dad taught you that you just think of like, man, my dad was all about this. What, what would you say that was? Gosh, I mean, he, there were, there were a lot of them, but I mean, I, much like what you're talking about, it was like, if you start something, finish it. Mm. We had a friend of mine on the show a few weeks ago to play in the NFL and his daughter's a great softball player, but he would ask her at the beginning of every year, okay, are you committed, 100% committed to playing this year? If the answer is yes, then we're not quitting. If the answer is no, then that's your choice. Mm. And then she finally reached that point where she said, you don't have to ask me anymore. I really love doing this and stuff. But I think that was one of the things my dad imparted on me is that, you know, if you start something, finish it. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Oh, and that was one of the big things where, and so right before coming over here this morning, I was firing off an email on an issue that I'm passionate about, right? That I'm trying to help na navigate for my community. Um, some challenges we're having. So I've always, that was one of the things, be part of the other ones, be part of the solution. Anyone can bitch about the problem. Mm. And then probably the one that sticks out. And I joke about this all the time. I remember, uh, one time I was uh, complaining about my my uh, my coach or something. I don't remember what it was. It was in high school, and you know I, I said, you know, he's getting on me about attacking him, blah blah blah. And my dad said, you know, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken crap. Now go out there and hit somebody. <laughs> so I remember it was those kind of little things that would pop up, but yeah, you, know, you know, so it was just it was just a lot of little things that at the time I didn't take, you know, you know take them with a grain of salt, but now older and in life, and especially once you've had kids and stuff, you realize that, wow, these, these people are actually pretty, uh, pretty tuned in, right? Knew what they were doing. They were tuned as in. We were trying to tune them out. Right. No, no <laughs> joke. No joke. So what was one of the key decisions you made in your life? What was a key decision you made in your life that you think really, uh, brought you here? I mean, what are, we all have these key decisions we make in our life. For some, it's moving to a different place. For some, it's, Leaving a leaving a job. What are some of the key, you know a key decision that you would say helped shape who you are today? Mm, that's a that's a great um, that's a great question, and I would say it's actually fairly recent. Yeah. Um, you know, you talked about your your experience in theater, and you know, for for me, I did a lot of theater, musical theater, arts, you know, anything that's creative, and and you know, for honest, sometimes that stuff gets seen uh, seen as kind of you know, foo-foo, uh, foo-foo, yeah. and like, uh, yeah. you know. And a my, football player and a theater major. <laughs> right, yeah. And I know when my dad was dropping me off for college, and he, he meant well, and he actually was, it was a great point, but he's, you know, dropping me off for college, and he said, you know, I'm just kind of concerned. What are you going to do, you know, with a music degree, you know? Because um, he was, you know, and so there's yeah. this thought that, that for whatever reason, from childhood, I've, I've kind of kept that creative part of myself mm. as – um, even though I know that it's a strength, I actually have believed that it's a weakness. Right. And, you know, it, it was probably just within the last three months that, um, that I, I finally said, you know what? I'm a creative. Mm -hmm. It's who I am. It's my biggest strength. It's yeah. not a weakness at all. Um, no, and you need that to, to thrive, right? Like, like if you're if you if somebody put a hidden camera in my in my house, they'd probably like I'd probably get committed, right? Because each of my dogs has a voice. They have conversations with each other. They have conversations with us. This goes on all the time. One of them's very politically active, the other one's very passive aggressive. 
and and I do this. Why do I do this? My wife just look, and sometimes my wife is sitting there, and she starts arguing with the dog. Right, so I, I get a kick out of it because that's just me. I just constantly mm-hmm. find that I have to be in some kind of a creative mm-hmm. conversation or writing or whether it's creating characters of my dogs and having these little mini productions that go on in the house. I, that's me, and I sense that you probably do some of the uh, some of the same. Yeah, what some would call it weird shit, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and I just that's where I live, and and I think the thing I, I was at a conference a while back, and and I heard a person talking about creativity, and the the way that he defined it was just phenomenal. I forget who it was exactly at this time at this point, but he said, creativity is, by definition, um, the answer. You know the Finding solutions to problems. Yeah. yeah. You know, don't think of it as artistic. Don't think right. of it as, and, and truth be told, you know, like, I think for both of us, you know, because I, I, I know enough about you now, six months later, that that it doesn't, creativity doesn't mean just like, oh, wow, he drew this, he built that, like right, this, right, right. this, or he sent, he wrote this song. It really is that, um, that plays into your coaching, that plays into how, how I lead, that plays into my coaching, that what you're doing with creativity all the time is learning how to adapt and adjust and and help people find solutions and encouragement that's creativity you know yes. and, and if i if if you squelch that creativity artistically i believe that has an effect on on how you're able to help people find those pragmatic solutions as well because then you right. kind of get in that more black and white world where you go like oh you know there's specific definitions that don't work here yeah i remember you know it goes back to something and i'm going to Put another question your way, but I was thinking of something you when know, you asked me a question about my dad. I remember one of the things that my dad told me that that really, really probably is the single grounding principle in my life was to treat everybody you meet with dignity and respect. You're not better than anyone. You're not, you know, but for the grace of God, you could switch places. So it was that treat everyone you meet with dignity and respect. That's great. Being male isn't it doesn't mm-hmm. it's not about being macho it's about treating people with dignity and respect so mm-hmm. i'm going to flip that question to you so what are what are some of the key guiding principles that you like to share with your daughter you've obviously daughters you've actually middle school college they're two different conversations but what are some of the the things as a dad that you really want to you know drive home to your girls i think that's a that's a great question i think the thing that that um Especially, you know, kind of growing up and and having that that job within the church world, you know, that oftentimes, um, and just stick with me on this, you know, like oftentimes, you know, belief, um, you know, what are the what are those list of beliefs, those things that you kind of stand behind, and that 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 those are the things that a person might say, like that's what I align align my life to, and so it's belief before anything else, and. And I think for beliefs are, are important, but I think um, beliefs can be um, really abused, um, especially when it comes to how you um, interact with your fellow man. And so in a very similar way, I think the thing that I want for my daughters the most is that, you know, um, that they see a person as a person um, and that, that, you know, faith and the things that you believe are, you know, if anything, they should bring you blo- closer to every single person, no matter 
who they are, no matter lifestyle, no matter anything. It's just period, you know, like, you know, that for me, if there's any, and, and, I, and I look at my parents, I look at my dad, and that's who they are. You know, they, they have always kind of fought for the outcast and for the, the person, always. You know, I've watched my mom and dad nonstop do that. So, so I think the thing that I want for my daughters is like, you know, when they'll get opinionated at times or even, uh, me too, you know, like about another person or have a judgment about a person without not, not really knowing exactly what's going on. Um, I just always have to stop and I kind of and remind myself, remind them, you know what, you have no idea. You have no idea what, what because, you know, people ha have pain. What do they say? Like, you can't know unless you've walked a mile in their shoes. And Yeah, everybody, and, everybody you meet's fighting a battle that you know absolutely nothing about. And, and that's so profound. You know, that's, huge, in a, huge. And, you know, cliches are cliches for a reason. You know, like that statement, that, that you've really got to stop and you really got to go like, oh, yeah, but it can't be, they can't have experienced anything like I have. It's not right. true, you know? Like, absolutely. I was talking to a guy recently. He's like, oh, man, I just had a hard a hard life and I just and I and I and inside I was like I I know you did I'm not making any I didn't say this to him but I'm not making any less of that myself but I really kind of have a belief myself that even people that had it good you know growing up um, everybody's got the the hard thing in a unique way that's especially yeah. hard for them some people have atrocious things I'm not making light of that. horrific yeah you yeah. know yeah. I'm not making light of that but as soon as we can go like oh they've had a hard life I haven't or or I've had a hard life and they haven't, then all of a sudden we start interacting in a strange way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? We're putting ourselves in. We're comparing. A comparison yeah. of whose life was tougher. Oh, well, but I was molested by four uncles. Well, I think that's bad. I was molested by four priests. You know? And we right. get into these who who was, who was hurt worse type things. And and when we do that, I, I think that we're, we're minimizing. That's true. Because one event for one person could be as horrific as five events for someone else that we're not in that business to judge. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things, you know, I'm going to put this out here on the breakthrough zone. We, we tend to just throw, throw things all the time, but I know mm -hmm. that you are a big, uh, big supporter of gay rights. Mm -hmm. That's something that you're very passionate about. And I'm not springing this on the world because you share yeah. it publicly. And, and, uh, I am the, you know, father of a, of a gay son mm -hmm. and, you know, I know how I've seen family members on both sides of our family treat him over the years. It's yeah. it's wrong. Mm -hmm. it, it's sad. It's a reflection on them more than it is on him. But yeah. what are your thoughts on that? I mean, your daughter comes home and says, Dad, got some good news and I got some bad news. And the good news is I got my degree. The bad news is I... But it's not really bad news. Right. Just, she thinks it's bad news because society tells us that this is still an uncomfortable place to be. So your daughter comes home and she tells you she's gay. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, that... that um, <laughs> so people are people, you know, and, and coming from ministry, you know, people will probably listen to this and go like, oh, wow, I never, I never knew that about him. You know, but I, I think I... Uh, oops. No, no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> no, worried about... I was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I, I think, yeah, I've got lots of family members are, and and yeah. um, yeah. and it is true that when you're in the arts, there's a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, for whatever reason, there's a lot more in the arts. Yeah, sure. And so I've always been side to side with my, you know, with my gay friends and, and seen them really struggle. You know, mm -hmm. I've been a person that 
they've confided in me for the first time ever. And, you know, when you yeah. think back to when I was in college in, in the early 90s, you know, it wasn't so much a thing. And it was, you know, and they were, you know, they it was like to, to come out of the closet then, you know, the things, it's, it's, it's grueling today, too, for a person yeah. that, that yeah. is that is in you know that moment of like how do, what how do i you know how do i do this but back then what i saw them go through um just wasn't right you know there there's um they are they have they need dignity they need love mm-hmm. um there's there's nothing about them that changes for me with with that admonition if anything i would say like you're living in your freedom of yeah, who God, yeah. cre- you know, of who you are, you yeah. know, and because I know that nobody makes that decision. This is what I know. They don't make that decision flippantly. They don't when they and it's not even a decision. They The decision to actually kind of make it public. Those yeah. moments are grueling for them. Um, and if anything, they need to be applauded. You know, that absolutely that, that's, because they're authentic. They're living. They're living out loud. They're living authentically. Yeah. And so many what, of the people, yeah. the critics, they never make statutes of critics, right? Right. The critics are just, they're there. They're chirping. They're they are always, they always know what's best for us. Yeah. It's the people that stand up and say, this is who I am. Those are the people, to your point, we should be applauding. Yeah. And it's like when you think about a person that would be, you know, I was in a in an interview about six months ago, and this was like a hill to die on for them because it was a, it happened to be a Christian organization, and, the, and one of the final questions after six weeks of interviews, and they were offering the position was, "Where do you stand on, you know, the the, um, where do you stand on the LGBTQ plus agenda?" You know, and I said, "Oh," <laughs> and you know, we we talked a little bit, and then that that night I pulled myself out of that um, candidacy, yeah, but y- yeah. you know, like because you're living authentically. Yeah, but and and it's like so. What do you, what you know when you try to think about if I'm on the other side and I'm like, no, we got to just stand against this. If it's I don't believe it's an agenda, you know. Right. We got to stand against this. What what's the goal to be attained? You you want people to you know you're not going to make them not gay or bisexual or you yeah, know like yeah. you, you're not going to change yeah. that. And so what what's the goal there to yeah. to make them try to live in a way that fits the way that you want right. it doesn't it, that's not you know we so, have family members that somehow thought we could do some kind of an exorcism right right and you're going i mean and it's sad you think know about what you're saying you're not you're not helping me view you as a very intelligent human yeah, being and, I, and I saw that in ministry too you yeah. know i had people that said straight up to me like my parents literally did an exorcism over yeah. me because they knew I was gay, and I was just like my heart broke. It's like, yeah. what is going yeah. on in the world? <laughs> it's getting crazier. Yeah. So, um, and, so it, I, and it's not just on that issue. I think yeah. it's just you know, again, it comes back to people are are people, um, and you've got to um, you got to see people as who they are, you know, and you got to love every single person. And if your belief takes you away from loving a person, then I would question that belief. Right. That's a great point. You, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because there, there, you know, most people have deeply held beliefs and values, right? Mm-hmm. They just that this is their line in the sand, and so our job is to respect other people's beliefs and values, and don't try to, you know, railroad those on to others. And we see this as we kind of wind down our time, mm-hmm. as as we see this in the world of leadership, where you're the Y leader and you've mm-hmm. been leadership for many years. 
you see this in leadership all the time too. You have the leader that comes in who is the the authoritarian, my way or the highway. You have the type of leader who comes in and is open to other points of view as a collaborative leader. How do you define? What would you define as effective effective leadership? I mean, I would say the most effective leadership, really, if if you're talking about, you know, like. It, things are so much moving away from like a top-down, you know, mentality, and and organizations are flattening out, right? You know, right. trying to kind of get rid of some of the layers. Um, but th- the reality is, you still need some top-down. But the best leadership, I believe, is a leader that is just crystal clear on on mission, vision, and values. That has to be driven from the top, and then right after that, it just that leader becomes all ears. Um, Really, listen, listen, learn, listen, learn, yeah. and then direct so that you can move people towards um, owning what you're about rather than dictating. Because the, if, you, if you're dictating as a leader, um, you know, you could say things over and over and over again, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they, they are championing it with you. They might even say the same things as you, yeah. but at the end of the day, they, they'll, they'll quit you know, in a second yeah. for this or that, you know, that, so the best leaders really are that can vision cast, but listen and desire for other people to carry that, the beauty of whatever that organization is together, um, and, and have that collaboration. That's, that's today leadership, you know, um, because without that, you'll just have a revolving door and you'll just find yourself, going, why aren't people listening to me? I, I put those, those, the, I put the values on the door. I put the rules on the, I put, yeah, didn't they yeah. read those? Didn't they? And it's like, they're not going to, you know, they, they don't respect just Wayne's with that. So I think it's just leaders have to be really crystal clear. They have to be heart driven and head driven. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and with, without that combination, you got a lot of heart leaders that like are flying all over the place and not getting much done. You got a lot of head leaders that, that, that have, Meeting driven, meeting driven, and revolving door death by meeting, and like, oh, I just it feels like there's just here's another here's another rule, here's another objective, here's another, you know, and and so, um, yeah, yeah, it just seems like that that you know that I've always said that the the best leaders they go out and find playmakers, and Mm. then they just get out of the way and let them make plays. You know, you go out if you're a football coach, you go out and you find the best players you can get on the field. You give them something to work with, then you got to step back and let them go. Mm-hmm. You know, and you see that with the great coaches. They're not John Wooden. I mean, John Wooden's philosophy was, and I mean, for those that are listening and don't know, he won 11 national championships mm-hmm. at UCLA. I mean, it's pretty impressive. And he figured by game time, I have nothing left. I mean, you kids are going to have to figure it out. I mean, we've prepared you, mm-hmm. but you're in the game. You're, you're at UCLA. You're playmakers, right? So you yeah. have to figure out how to make the plays. So I'm going to go with the question we, we ask on this show mm-hmm. of all of our guests. So 10 years from now, it's 10 years from now, where's Andy Thomas? What's your life look like? That's a great question. You know, I think. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, if I was to, if I was to write what, what I, exactly I'm doing 10 years from now, I would say that, yeah, I'm in, in, a, in a creative director type role, um, you know, full time, but that I'm, I'm building up. Um, my clientele with with my the Y leader that that coaching um, because even even in the creative director endeavor it, really everything that I do with the Y leader of kind of that independent coaching with individuals is really all about how I lead 
as a creative director as well, you know, that I care more that the people that I'm leading are coming into their own um, and that they're staying true to who they are. Um, and the moment that they don't fit with the organization because of what's true in them, they got to go. They got to go. Know? They got to do what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think no matter where I am, I, I hope that 10 years from now I'm, I'm more in that, that um, have more opportunities to be able to keep um, helping individuals stay true to who it is that, that they know that they are deep inside. And if they don't know that, because that can be an issue, well, there's enough people in the world that have never actually gone like, here's my the depth of who I am. They're just pre right. playing pretender, right? What, right. Do you, what do you call it? The When you have a person that's playing, operating as somebody else. The, the imposter the, the syndrome. Imposter yeah, syndrome, imposter you know? syndrome, yeah. You know, so They're always playing a role, whatever role they need to play in the moment. Mm -hmm. And you never know who they are. Yeah, and they find themselves kind of empty and depressed, yeah. and and the people around them never know who they are. Like, who Shifting. is this shapeshifter? Yeah, who is this yeah. person? What what do they really stand for? Last Tuesday they were Republican. Thursday they were Democrat. You know, no, I mean, whoever they're in the room with. Yeah, whoever they're in the room with, they adapt. It's like yeah. this chameleon thing, right? It's yeah. so unauthentic. So as we leave the show today, I want you to impart one uh, one piece of wisdom on our listeners. Something that. If you could share one thing today with the people listening to our podcast, what would that one uh, what would that one piece of wisdom or guidance be? Um, I would say the the most important thing in life is, and I would say that most important thing in life is to do the work of really um, understanding the depth of who you are as a person and bringing that to the world no matter uh, no matter the cost right you know no matter the cost you know it, it you might you might actually be making more money right now you might actually you know but but you're miserable because yeah. you're doing something you hate and maybe you need to do something that's a, that we it's, others would see as a little bit smaller but for you, it's the profound thing that you're cut out for, and maybe it is less money. But guess what? Your life, and your your family, and your friendships, and everything is going to really begin to thrive. You know, you can. It's fascinating that people can be so affluent and be so successful, but be miserable. And it happens all the time. And it does. And you're talking about when you when you truly find when you hit that moment when you truly realize who I am. Yeah. You know, fight they, for it. Fight they, for it. They say the most two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you understand why you were born. That's right? it. That's it. And so it's finding that that your calling and then just going all in, taking that uncomfortable. You know, you always hear me on the courses and coaching yeah. talking about take uncomfortable action. Yep. You know, surround yourself with people who truly support you on your journey. Those get a people get a coach. Uh, really evaluate the people you spend your time with because it's so important so mm -hmm. i'm yeah. like really super psyched that you're in my circle and thank you for being on the show today this has been amazing and i just appreciate you and so before we leave how can uh, how can somebody uh, learn more about the y leader yeah actually if you just go to the y leader.com the y the y leader w h y the y leader.com um, and you'll see a little bit more, but then you can click on on there for just a free uh, consultation to see if uh, see if there's a good fit there, and, and me being able to help you out on your journey to 
to uh, discovering more of who you are and bringing that to the world. Absolutely, and I know you can do that. So thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. John, I appreciate you so much, and thank you. All right, we'll see everybody back here uh, next Wednesday morning in the Breakthrough Zone. Until then, everybody take care. Have a great day. Bye for now. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. To learn more about John, visit johnpageburton.com. See you next time in the Breakthrough Zone.